Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Shocking playoff result edition. I don't usually get to say that because there aren't really that many shocking results in the college football playoff, but I would say that number 11, Ohio State, 49, number two, Clemson, 28, qualifies as shocking. Would you agree, Ari Wasserman? Uh, yes, I would say though that game was shocking. I would agree with you. I mean, that that was a butt-kicking, a true butt-kicking. And listen, I, I realize Ohio State had every reason to be motivated for that game, and uh, you know, I'm being somewhat unfair to Dabo Sweeney here, making fun of him, ranking them number 11 in his coach's poll ballot. His reasoning for it, as he pointed out again on Friday night, had nothing to do with Ohio State. His thing was, if you didn't play nine games, I'm not putting in the top ten. But my thing about that is – that's not Ohio State's fault. It is not Ohio State's fault that it is a, it is a member of a, an incompetent conference. The Big Ten screwed all that up. Yeah, Ohio yeah. State. Ohio State was fighting to play the entire. Ohio State would have loved to play eleven games. They would have killed to play eleven games. So that that's why this result, I'm sure, was incredibly satisfying for Ohio State fans, but also for the folks who who. You know, from Nebraska, from Iowa, the the Penn State players who fought for a season to happen. Because, you know, if 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 those players and the Ohio State players hadn't fought for this, the Big Ten's not even involved, and now the Big Ten has a chance to win a national title. Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty easy to go back and forth on this Ohio State team, Andy. Before the year, you know, Ryan Day referred to it as a once in a lifetime team, and if you saw, and everybody did what they were a year ago. You might think if they're even 75% of that, then he could have something. And then the discombobulated schedule, the six-game season, cancellations, uh, injuries, COVID, uh, forcing them to move pieces around. We never really got a good look at what this team was. But I think it's just a nice reminder that as we were going through with the playoff dialogue and does Ohio State deserve to get in, that talent and all the things that you know put you in a position to compete in these games has to matter in that discourse, and it did. Yeah. And you know, I know that coming into this game, I didn't anticipate that Ohio State would win. I didn't anticipate they'd win by by that much. But no, I, I thought Clemson would win close. I thought they'd both be able to score a bunch, and Clemson would win close. But yeah, and that's the first quarter. <laughs> but then Ohio State wins the second quarter, twenty-one nothing, and it's pretty much over. Yeah, you know, and I think that the craziest thing about this Ohio State team is that all the things that were good, you know, half of them were anticipated and half of them weren't. Like Justin Fields being mm -hmm. great, you know, there was some question about whether or not he could because he looked kind of shaky in some of their bigger games earlier in the year, but that shouldn't be surprising. What should be surprising is that Trey Sermon has turned into Ezekiel Elliott in the last two weeks. Ohio State's defensive line that was, you know, getting great pressure but not really getting home with terrorized um, Trevor Lawrence throughout that game, five-star prospects that didn't seem to pan out for Ohio State, like Justin Hilliard, um, and even Jonathan right, and Cooper. And Tyreek Smith. These guys just kind of came out of nowhere. Who all, yeah, these guys all looked the part, but nobody was playing like Chase Young right? until right. Friday night. Yeah, and it's like, you know, having watched Ohio State for the past 10 years, they've had the Bosa brothers and Chase Young. So 10 years are basically, they've had a top three pick at defensive end. And you think, well, is this team going to be able to rattle Trevor Lawrence? They didn't have one of those guys, but like Jonathan Cooper coming out, a former five-star prospect that took a little bit longer to develop, you know, getting out there. Tyreek Smith was a high-end, you know, four-star prospect that dealt with injuries and all of a sudden is getting back there. And it's like, you know, the, the most remarkable thing about this, Andy, is like the question was, would Ohio State be able to put together their best game in time 
after only playing six games and being shaky. And the reason why I didn't think Ohio State had a chance to win is because, ironically enough, I didn't think they had played enough. And a lot of people viewed this team as, well, they got a cakewalk into the playoffs, six games. They didn't have to expose themselves to other losses. They're wearing tear on the bodies. And all those things are true. But also, they had a lot of personnel issues, some they, schematic they issues. They didn't have time to gel. They didn't have time to either. gel. And then they come out here and look like the 2014 team. And it's like, where did that come from? I think that's one yeah. of the more remarkable coaching jobs that I've seen in my entire career to well, be able to get that can, team to click we, on all cylinders the way they did. Can we talk about how Trey Sermon might be the most important football player in the country this year? I don't even understand. I don't understand it. Like, it, I like, would have, if you would have asked me, frankly speaking, what do you think Trey Sermon is going to do next year three weeks ago? I would have said, I don't know if he has a spot on Ohio State's roster next year. I don't know if they have him back, you know, to use that extra year of eligibility because I didn't know that they, and they've got a, a five-star freshman running back coming in. And, and I, I didn't know, like, from a roster standpoint, if he was good enough to play there. And now all of a sudden he's rushed for over 500 yards in two games. And the last time Ohio State made a playoff run in the 2014 season, Ezekiel Elliott rushed for almost 700 yards in three games. And like now Sermon is one awesome game away from matching what Zeke did. And it's like, I didn't know that he was even physically capable of doing that, Andy. So like watching this happen and he was, he, he looked like an NFL back back there three weeks well, ago. He couldn't break a tackle. Let's talk about the alternate history. So the reason Trey Sermon went to Ohio state is because he was behind Kennedy Brooks at Oklahoma and deservedly. So Kennedy Brooks had been awesome the previous two years. Kennedy Brooks averaged over eight yards a carry in 2018. He averaged six and a half yards a carry last year. Both years went over a thousand yards. And so Trey Sermon leaves to go to a place where there was a competition, an open competition to be the number one back following J.K. Dobbins leaving. But if you had told Trey Sermon that Kennedy Brooks was going to opt out of the season, what if he just stayed in Norman? Because if he stays in Norman, I bet Oklahoma doesn't lose to K-State and doesn't lose to Iowa State. Remember, they were held under four yards of carry in both those games. What so Trey Oklahoma Sermon are we talking is, about? Are we talking about the Trey Sermon from tonight? Or like, are we talking about the Trey what? Sermon from 80% of the season? Like, this came out but of nowhere. Well, we're talking about, Ari, you act like his career at Oklahoma didn't happen. No, he no, I know. He was a I very know. good running no, back at I know Oklahoma. He, he's, a, he's a solid so, running back, you know, but like having covered... Uh, J.K. Dobbins and Zeke and, and seeing the types of talents that needed to win those games or to put themselves in a position to win those games, you couldn't stack them up against that. he would have put Oklahoma in a position to win those games. Yeah, yeah. Which I they mean, lost close. Clearly speaking, and, I was wrong. Yeah, and, I mean, the guy is and, incredible. Well, but but so here's the thing. If Oklahoma is a 10-1 or 11-0 Big 12 champ, either, Clem either, either Notre Dame or Ohio State isn't making the playoff. And I would argue if Trey Sermon is not there for the Northwestern game. Northwestern is your Big Ten champion. You could make a case that if Trey Sermon stayed at Oklahoma, that Ohio State doesn't have a chance to win a national championship and another team does. Right, and, and, and that Oklahoma's in the playoff, and I don't know if Notre Dame's still in the playoff. Maybe they are because Ohio State's not. But he changed the course of like three team seasons. Yeah, and it's like funny because three weeks ago, I didn't really think it was a, a significant enough move to even consider. And like, if you go listen to Ohio State podcast that I do with Bill Landis, I've been saying all year, I think Ohio State's going to lose in the playoff because they don't have a running back that can change a game. And it's like, now I'm watching this game <laughs> and I'm what? looking at this. I'm like, honestly, I am, I know that he was a solid player, but he's playing like a great player. I mean, he he's playing yeah. like a, a an NFL player. I mean, he's playing like Travis Etienne was supposed to play. I mean, this isn't just like out of nowhere, solid game. Like he's dominating the game.
Well, the, and and speaking of of Etienne, who you know had had a decent game out of the backfield catching the ball, but couldn't get it going in a running game. So, and I realize sacks are part of this too, and and so that kind of skews a little bit. But both teams carried forty four times on Friday night. Clemson ran for 44 yards, and Ohio State ran for 254 yards. The Ohio State offensive line, I think, already deserves a ton of credit. And remember, Wyatt Davis playing hobbled for most much of the second half. He got hurt and uh, limped off and actually had to be helped off, but then wound up coming back onto the field. And then they were without their starting left guard, because presumably because of COVID. We don't know, but he, he was on the, the unavailable list, which... Much shorter than it had been, but he was on it. Master Teague was on it. Uh, Zach Harrison was on it. So they, they weren't exactly full strength on Friday either. But I just thought, you know, the guys who filled in did an incredible job. Yeah, yeah. No, they did. And it, it's, a, it's a pretty crazy dynamic to think of, like, Ohio State is about to go play Bama for a championship considering the fact that you know, I, I think you can make an argument that of all the national contenders, and it's not an argument, I think it's a fact that Ohio State has been impacted by COVID the most. And some of those names that weren't playing might be injuries too, like yeah. Master T got banged up in the Northwestern right. Ma- game. Right, Master T was yeah. hurt. He, so, he got hurt in the Northwestern game. Harry Miller was out. Harry Miller wasn't out for the Michigan State game, but had to move to center for the Michigan State game. And then Matt Jones, who ended up replacing Harry Miller on Friday against Clemson at left guard, had to play left guard in that Michigan State game. So you also argue that some of the t- things they had to do to get through the COVID stuff might have helped them adapt and and create more ready players yeah. for now. I mean, it's kind of a, a crazy thing because the fact that they haven't had the whole product is the reason why we couldn't handicap this game the right way. We didn't really know exactly yeah. what it was. Ohio State more like the team that they looked like like they were in the first three quarters of the Northwestern game uh, a few weeks ago or last week, or are they the, the team that we saw tonight? And clearly they're the team that we saw tonight. And, you know, it's, it's just an interesting dynamic because they haven't been able to play as a full unit all year. And, you know, the, the issues that they had in the secondary all year, um, you know, Justin Fields was somebody who had been rattled in the past. Um, you know, the running back issue was an issue up until two weeks ago. I mean, there were a lot of the offensive line has been moved around and, you know, there were injuries even in the game uh, at at the guard position. I, even I after would argue Miller. That, that offensive line, which has been incredibly deep all year. And this is this is where Ohio State and Alabama are very similar. They have great athletic future NFL offensive lines where probably all five starters are going to be NFL starters. And both of them have situations where if somebody gets hurt. They can put somebody in, and they don't drop off. You saw that in the in the, I guess we're calling it the Rose Bowl, uh, with with Alabama trying to replace Landon Dickerson at center. It didn't look like they missed a beat. Andy, when Ohio State got to their third guard, and they had to in the second quarter, I, I believe the person they put into the game was the number one rated offensive lineman in the twenty twenty class. And like it just gets yeah. back down I mean, that, to just that's, it's, it's, that's it's, the it's thing. simple. It's simple. And as we analyze and discuss, well, and, and, and we and, can. That's all it is. It's which teams well, let's, are let's most equipped to, the, to handle to those Peach types of things. Yeah, let's let's go to the Peach Bowl. What changed the Peach Bowl the most? What play had the most significant impact on the Peach Bowl? It was Cincinnati's left tackle being thrown out for targeting. Because the guy who came in committed some costly penalties, could not 
block the guy he was supposed to block? I mean, because they don't have the depth that a Georgia has or an Ohio State has or an Alabama has. That's the difference. Yeah, and, and not just the depth. You saw it with Ohio elite State. Elite level players that would be starting at 85% of the other colleges right now who are sitting on the bench. And, you know, it's funny because as we got through this weird season of how are we going to play the games and who's going to make the playoff and all this stuff, it's just like the three teams at the top of the, the hierarchy of college football all made it. And it's like some people view it weirdly like that Ohio State made it. Some people were unsure about whether – but like the top three teams in the country – are so clearly equipped to handle this the most. And all the college football playoff now has become is uh, a contest of who can maybe play with one of these three teams. And when one and when two of these teams play, it's usually a pretty good game. And Clemson gets the best of Ohio State. Ohio State gets the best of Clemson. Alabama's a constant fixture. And just like, dude, when we're sitting here in a year, we're going to be talking about the same three teams. And the reason no why is because they all have the players to do this over and over and over again. We'll be right back after these words. I think Ohio State may have done Clemson a favor because do, do you want to see that defense against Alabama? Because I don't. I don't think any defense wants to see Alabama, Andy. <laughs> the, the over-under I, I know. for the I, and national there's no, title there's game no is 77. There's no perfect defense this year. Yeah. There's, there's no perfect defense this year. And and look, Alabama's defense isn't perfect either. Right. Alabama's defense could struggle mightily against Justin Fields and company. Yeah. So yeah. let's let's be ready for a shootout national championship game. What I, th- what I think is really interesting about this and, you know, of course, the national championship game is what everybody's excited about. But, like, I always try to view these results in these games as, like, a hierarchy, the hierarchy hierarchy of college football and, like, what it continually means every year as we get more and more results. And it's, like, coming into the playoff, Alabama and Clemson, I think, were in their own clear league of their own. And Ohio State was in the second tier by itself. And then I think the teams like Oklahoma, Georgia, and, you know, all the other teams that are in that third tier were behind Ohio State. It's like now I don't know if Ohio State's going to win the national championship. There's seven-point dogs against Alabama. Watching that Alabama team play is a scary thing for anybody. I don't care who you are. But I think Ohio State just reminded people that it's not just like some weird Big Ten rule change that, oh, well, they they got in because they're trying to get the Big Ten. It's like this team is equipped to handle those two teams more so than any other team in college football. And it just kind of like helps you recalibrate your brain. And it's just like why is that the case? Who, you know who why. played the best against Alabama so far this year? Florida. Because they had an offense that can score quickly. They can beat you in a lot of ways offensively. Now, Florida does not have the caliber of players on defense that Ohio State has. And that's what gives you hope that Ohio State has a chance against Alabama is that perhaps that defense can force a turnover or get a stop every once in a while. And, and that's because, I mean, they just played the quarterback who's going to go number one in the draft. And Trevor Lawrence didn't have a bad game. Like Trevor Lawrence was good on Friday night. Are you like leaning towards Ohio State for the national championship right now? Nope. Because I, I do <laughs> I, think I wanted to snap you out of it. I for do a think second. we may have we may have gotten their best on Friday. Yeah. It's about I mean, what all they the can circumstances put together. I listen, everybody can say what they want about Dabo and, and voting them eleventh in the coaches poll. And Dabo can say, you know, Dabo can have his reasons for it. I guarantee you it pissed them off. Oh, I guarantee for sure. you. You've already they got players to talking about Clemson it. by a million. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I think the number 11 thing was like a fun storyline. I think people also have to remember that like Chris Olave, who had an incredible game and scored two touchdowns, like put, I watched him last year. We both did 
watch him yeah. cry like a baby and put his hands, his head in his hands because he broke off his route and Justin Fields threw a pick in the end zone. Clemson's Ryan been kicking. Ryan talked a, about that yeah. after the game on Friday and said, you know, he he watched the play with them over and, and over then Justin again. Fields yeah. and Chris Olave would watch it over and over and over again. It's like last and year's so, yeah, Ohio they, state team was probably the for a while. Last year's Ohio state team, Andy was probably the best team that they had in the last 10 years, probably better than the team that is about yeah, to play for national one. championship. Yeah. And it's just like Dabo ranking them. Number 11 was fun. Twitter fodder, but like Chris Olave's heart was broken. Justin Fields was devastated last year. Um, there were eight or nine calls in the Clemson game last year where people think if, if one would have gone the other way, maybe Ohio State would have won. You know, you have an entire team that has been getting their butts kicked by Clemson over and over and over again. Clemson's the only team in college football that's coming into Ohio and taking players away from Ohio State. Clemson is the team that is constantly recruiting the players that Ohio State wants. And Clemson has owned what has maybe been an emerging rivalry. So, like, I don't think Dabo had to say anything for this is like the game that Ohio State had to win to legitimize itself, because if it would have lost again to Clemson, then you sneak back down lower and lower and lower in that that hierarchy discussion that we were trying to have. And then all of a sudden, Ohio State becomes the the new Oklahoma, the, the team that keeps making the playoff but can't win a game. So, like, the idea well, of Ryan Day legitimizing himself as a head coach to be able to win this game for these guys to come back after, you know, thinking they could have or should have won last year's game you know, made some mistakes, didn't win it, and then are back. I think, like, this is the thing that they've been thinking about all year. And I, I know Ryan Day, and the man is obsessed with beating Ohio, with beating Clemson and putting himself on the map. I mean, this is a legitimizing win for a head coach who has been recruiting well and has been known as a, as a good play caller and an offensive guru, but he had no real legitimizing wins as a head coach to be compared to, to Saban and, and Dabo Sweeney. And you know what, Andy? I was a little disappointed because um, – after the game was over, I thought that this was going to be a crucial intersection for Ohio State football and their coach. And I thought that if Ohio State were to win or, you know, even play the way that they did and feel, you know, the way that they do, that like he would have opened up a little bit, that he would have revealed a little bit more of himself, uh, the competitive nature that he has, maybe in, embrace the, the trash talking or talking about the number 11 thing. But, you know, he didn't do that yet. And I, and I don't know if it's if. You know, he's going to morph into a different personality if they win a national championship. But like Dabo Sweeney's not the same personality that he was five years ago. He's changed. He's gone from beloved new kid on the block, oh shucks, Dabo Sweeney, to like one of the most polarizing figures in the sport. So like I, now I Ohio State I don't has think, this. I don't win. think Dabo is I don't think Dabo's changed one bit. I think the circumstances around Dabo has have changed, and that's why we view him differently. He is he <laughs> yeah, has gone yeah, from true. Anakin Skywalker yeah. to Darth Vader. But he doesn't know he's Darth Vader. He still thinks he's he's Anakin Skywalker. So, but why do you think that that shift changed? Because they started winning and people hate the winner? Yes, absolutely. 100%. He's in the position that Alabama was always in, and he was always the the lovable underdog. But they stopped being the lovable, lovable underdog when they crushed Alabama after the 2018 season. Like, that that was it. Clemson, at that point, was the Death Star. Well, are we going to... So... I'm just wondering, like... Are we going to see a transformation in that with Ryan Day? And I don't know. Like, he doesn't really give much in his interview sessions. He Ohio doesn't State doesn't really do lovable underdog anyway. They've they. This is a program that's never actually been bad. Like, every other program has down years. Ohio State never has a down year. But could, could Ryan so, Day be Darth Vader, though? Because he doesn't strike me as the type of person no. that somebody would hate. Well, like, yeah. It's easy yeah. to hate I Urban mean, Meyer. It's easy to hate Dabo because he— I just, I just think— yeah. But I, I, yeah, I think Ryan Day's a little too even-tempered for that. 
he's he's just kind of a regular dude, which yeah, you know, those guys you don't meet them very often at that level, but he is. But is he going to be a regular uh, now, dude in three years if they win a national championship? Maybe, maybe this not. Year? We'll see. I mean, the thing is, he took it over when it was was that. It never changed. It's never. It's not going to change. He took over a national title contender, and he'll coach a national title contender. Dabo took over a program that perennially perennially underachieved and turned it into a program that competes for national titles every year. It's a very big transformation. And I, I, I'm telling you, if you go back and watch Dabo clips from 2008 and Dabo clips from 2013 and Dabo clips from 2016 and Dabo clips from 2020, he's not saying anything different. We're mm-hmm. just perceiving what he says differently. Yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's the way that he changed and the way that or the perception around him has changed is earned. And that's what makes the sport fun. You know, as you win, win big games, you win at the highest level, you win national championships, you knock off Alabama, you are the team that stole Ohio State's spot after the 2014 season uh, in the hierarchy of college football and then continued to beat down that team that you said is never down, I think is a really awesome thing for the sport. Now, I don't know, you know, if this is going to kind of turn into whether or not the same three teams in this position every year is bad or good for the sport, but you know, to have a new personality as a head coach in that mix now is going to be an interesting thing to, to watch unfold. Yeah, I, I still I don't think it's going to be just these three. I think a Georgia or an Oklahoma or an LSU are going to come in there and, and shake things up a little bit. I, it's, it's not going to be static. It just it won't. Everybody thinks it will. We always think that what's going on now will last forever. Truth of the matter is it won't. So this one's interesting to me, though, with Ohio State, because Clemson was their their boogeyman. Like they beat Alabama the last time they played. So for everybody else, it's we want Bama. We went whether they're being serious or joking. For Ohio State, they had to get over Clemson to get to Alabama. It's like it's like fighting bosses in a video game. Like Clemson was the boss that you just couldn't beat to get to the final screen, but now you did. Yeah, I think that if you like talk to an Ohio State fan, I mean, listen. Ohio State is four quarters away from winning a national championship, and I'm not going to sit here and act like that's not going to be the epitome of their existence for the next 10 days. But I do think that no matter what happens, maybe even including a blowout loss to Alabama, that this season was a success for them now. Like to to get over 100%. that hump, to, to, to win and beat the team that has been the team that's been a thorn in your side in every aspect of the game. Um, to to do it at a time where there was some spice. This is the spiciest game that Ohio State's been involved in in a long time. Um, you know, I think this is a really important win for their program. And the, the, the class that they just signed in 2021, the class they're going to assemble in 2022, like they're setting themselves up to potentially be in this position every single year now moving forward for the next three or four years. Now, Justin Fields doesn't grow on a tree, um, and they have some young quarterbacks coming in. Um, but it always feels like, you know, this is the time that you have to do it or you're never going to be able to do it again. And the fact of the matter is, is that this is just the beginning of yet the next window of opportunity for Ohio State to win championships in 2023 and 2020, 2024. Um, but, you know, stacking up with the team that Alabama is this year, the team that everybody thinks is invi- invincible. Huh? Correction from last time. I said invisible. You did. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a really good test to see where Ohio State is in terms of 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 their program's development. Now, I will say that Ohio State's going to be the most talented team that Alabama's faced maybe in multiple seasons, not outside of, um, you know, LSU a year ago. Uh, 
you know, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think Ohio State has a real chance to compete for that uh, for the national championship. Seven point spreads, interesting. I would pick Alabama to win as we sit here right now, but Ohio State pro- provides challenges and you know puts enough talent on that team to give them a unique perspective on on what Alabama actually is. And you know, for the few uh, days going into these games. You know, with with how good Devontae Smith is, that guy's not even a human being. He is so good. <laughs> but I amazing. think that the world probably got a nice window into how good Ohio State's receivers are, too. Like, they have really good receivers, too. And they, they've got a, a very dangerous offense. And I think that it's possible we could be looking at a, a 38 to 41 or or 45 to 41 type of game uh, on January 11th. Let me tell you something. I'm here for it. I, I am, too. It- my my favorite national title game, I don't know the the, the first two Clemson Alabama national title games were both classics. They were both amazing. I think I, the first one I like even more just because Nick Saban had to kick the onside kick and knew we had to kick the onside kick. Like the grin Nick Saban had after that onside kick worked is the most genuine moment we've seen from Nick Saban in his entire coaching career. It was amazing. So. That I, I just I love that. And and I I know people say, well, I, I like defense. And no, you don't. As a viewer, you want to see points and you're going to love watching these two teams go up and down the field. If that's what if that's what happens. Yeah. I mean, 77 is a big number, isn't it? It is. a It's a huge number. And but I think they can I think they can hit it. <laughs> I think they can go over that number. And, and I hope they do. I, that's the game I want to see from these teams. That's I don't want to see these teams play a nine six overtime game. I want I want to see them light it up. I mean I want to see I want to see Devonte Smith scoring. I want to see Najee Harris hurdling people. I want to see Trey Sermon hurdling people. I want to see uh, Billingsley scoring for Alabama. I want to see the tight end scoring for for Ohio State. I mean, how how do you catch that laser beam that Justin Fields threw in the second or, or no? It was in the first quarter. It was the one that made it 14-14. That, that was probably the, the best fastball I've seen outside of Nolan Ryan. We'll be back with some talk about the, the Rose Bowl or the, the Jerry Bowl or whatever we're supposed to call that game between Alabama and Notre Dame right after these words. Can we talk about the fact that there was a potential that Justin Fields was playing with broken ribs? We have to talk about that because it, it probably is going to affect him against Alabama as well. I mean, you were on the Zoom. You saw it when he sat down for his Zoom call. Oh, he just just he grunted oh, like he yeah, couldn't even huge, sit down. He was hurting bad. Yeah, it's it's going to probably impact that game. I, I would I would bet. But he was playing through it. And, and think about some of the throws he made afterward. After that hit, he made two just incredible long posts. I, I think they were both posts, and one, one might have been a, a vertical, but um, these, are, these are balls that traveled 45, 50 yards in the air and were right on the money. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of, and I don't know if people remember this, but um, last year at Michigan, uh, Justin Fields went down with a knee injury in the second half. Yes. And he went into that. the tent, and people thought that he had blown his knee out and that his season was over. And then he came right back onto the field like 10 minutes later. First play, rolled out left, threw across his body, laser for a touchdown to Garrett Wilson. It was like a 35-yard dart to the back of the end zone. And, you know, I thought that was possible that he might be out for the game when that hit happened, when the targeting hit into his ribs. And then he comes in and throws 
um, you know, a touchdown pass and then basically walks off the field like he can barely breathe and, you know, and is able to play the rest of the game. And, you know, from a, a, the fact of the matter is the guy threw 385 yards and had as many touchdowns in a playoff game against Clemson as in, as incompletions. And he might've done that with, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's a crazy statistic. And well, and, and, all you New York Jet fans who are who are just heartbroken over your recent two game winning streak that handed Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars, you feel a little better tonight? Maybe. Do you double guess who the number one pick of the NFL draft is on after one game, or is that irrational nope. to you? No, it's still it's still Trevor. It is still Trevor. Still Trevor. But I I would watch that game as an NFL scout and feel a lot more comfortable about Justin Fields than I felt after the Big Ten championship. Game. I mean, he's the most complete. Ohio State NFL prospect, that quarterback that they've had. Now, I tweeted that the other day, and Joe Burrow's dad tweeted back, like, well, I guess you're forgetting about my son. It's like, no, uh, Ohio State doesn't get to claim Joe Burrow because they let him leave, and, and they don't get to absorb the greatness that he went on to be at LSU. Um, you know, But in a, in a situation where we're talking about somebody who's a, a top-level thrower, he was making NFL throws all night. Uh, and you know, was the star of the show. And this kind of seems to be the, the game that we've been waiting for Justin Fields to have. And he played really well in the Fiesta Bowl last year. And, you know, he's shown that he can put up these monster video game numbers in other games. But the fact of the matter is, is he's also been compared to, to Trevor Lawrence head to head his entire life. I mean, they grew sure. up they, they grew right up next apart. to each other. Yeah. So, all right, we got to talk about the other semifinal because Notre Dame covered. Yay! Back door was open. That's right. Yeah, and and all the Bama fans got mad at me when I tweeted, "Good teams win, great teams cover." I was saying Notre Dame was the great team because here's the deal: every every time Notre Dame makes the playoff, they lose, and or they make the BCS championship game and they lose, and it's this referendum on them not whether they deserve to be there or not. Okay, Notre Dame lost to, by Alabama, lost to Alabama by less than Clemson lost to Ohio State by. Notre Dame lost by less to Alabama than Texas A&M lost to Alabama by. And I love all the A&M fans are like, yeah, but Alabama stopped trying at the end of the first half. What, you think they kept trying against you guys? <laughs> they look like a juggernaut to me. And like Alabama only scored, what was it, 31 points. And, you know, they didn't come out and cover the spread in the second half. And that was disappointing to a lot of people. But they didn't need to. You know, it was just kind of like one of those things where it's get out of this out of this game as quickly as possible, get onto the national yeah. championship. and. You know, I think it's interesting because as we watch Cincinnati, you know, battle Georgia all the way down to the to the end and, you know, Texas A&M fans are probably losing their minds. And it's just like, what were we supposed to do about this four seed, Andy? Like Notre Dame clearly wasn't equipped from a talent standpoint to compete with them. But I don't know that anybody else in the country was. So it's like one of these things. That's that's the thing. Everybody, everybody's mad because Notre Dame gets this shot. Nobody else would have done any better. And, every, and you can say, well, give somebody else a chance. Notre Dame beat a team that was in the playoff this year. Did anybody else do that? Yeah. And it's like, we've already seen A&M play Bama. I, I don't know if maybe if Cincinnati would have won, you could make an argument of like, well, this would have been in the year to put Cincinnati in. But nobody was equipped to, nobody in the college football is equipped to beat Alabama right now. And it's like, it's hard to, after watching what Ohio State just did to Clemson to completely dismiss the idea that Ohio State can win, but you know, I still think it feels like Alabama is in a, a league of their own right now. And, you know, the way that Devontae Smith is playing, Najee Harris is unbelievable. Mac Jones doesn't really get a lot of the attention because of how awesome his his cast is, but he's having a remarkable season 
statistically. I mean, he he's throwing the ball, you know, he's putting up Joe Burrow numbers this year. And I, I think that he deserves every bit amount of, of credit to some of the previous uh, Tua type quarterbacks in Alabama's in recent history. I mean, he's been, he's, he's great. Well, I saw McShay mention that he'd, he'd thrown Mac Jones into the the top 32 on his big board now, so essentially calling him a first-round quarterback, which, I mean, the thing about Mac Jones that's amazing to me, and I don't have the number in front of me, but he has an astounding complete, I think it's, a, I want to say it's a 65% completion percentage on balls thrown over 25 or 30 yards in the air. Like, nobody else that's is insane. doing that. Like, he, it's not just because he's got Devontae Smith and and all these weapons, you, Justin Fields has all these weapons and he's had bad games. Mac Jones has not had a bad game. You know, Kyle Trask had all those weapons and had not so great games. Mac Jones has not had a bad game. He is um he is not somebody who is having the success because he has a great cast. He's having the success because he's a really good quarterback. And yeah. he deserves that respect. And if um I don't know how people voted on their Heisman, but I considered even voting for him. I guess I'm not allowed to talk about that. Am I allowed to talk about that? Uh, he he we, was we, somebody. We can't reveal our order of our ballots yet because okay. they haven't they haven't announced the award. But you know, I I'll be I'll be curious to see who winds up winning. I mean, obviously Devontae Smith and, and Mac Jones were the top vote getters from that Alabama group because they're they're among the finalists. But um, you know, I, I'm curious how much the first place votes got split up, and then how many ballots Trevor Lawrence was number two on. Because I'm betting it's a lot. I think Trevor Lawrence could win the trophy because he was number two on everybody's ballot. I I, I agree. I he could be on a hundred percent of the ballots, and the Alabama guys could have kind of split things up. Though I yeah. do think I feel like there was a surge toward the end toward Devonte Smith, where the the it might lean a much, a little more heavily toward Devonte being number one on a lot of ballots. Yeah, you he has whoever wins the trophy has to if if it's even remotely close between who, which first Alabama player you put first Trevor has a chance but like I don't think a lot of people maybe just is just a psychology thing but I don't think people went Bama Bama then um their third quarter their third candidate and Trevor Lawrence was the second candidate for most people so you just put him in the middle there yeah I, it'll be interesting and and look if this is going to be one of those if if the ballots had been cast after these games that we saw on Friday, Justin Fields would have gotten a lot of votes too. You know, at the, but at the time, he had not had a game like this. He, he just hadn't had that kind of performance this season. We'll find out who won the Heisman on Tuesday, Ari. That is when that announcement is set for. But we know now who is in the national title game. It is Ohio State versus Alabama. This is a matchup that we've wanted to see probably since the last time these two teams played, which was the Sugar Bowl following the 2014 season. It has been that long, and they've both been in the mix pretty much every year. We're finally going to see the Buckeyes and the Crimson Tide for the national title. 